This is the Raising Freethinkers podcast. I'm Dale McGowan, editor and co-author of Raising Freethinkers and Parenting Beyond Belief, books for raising compassionate, curious kids without religion. Episode 24, The Big Reveal. If major religious differences doom a marriage, mine should have been toe-tagged at the altar. Our religious difference was arguably as major as it could get. I was never a conventional religious believer, and by the time I approached that altar in a century-old church in San Francisco, I'd been a self-identified atheist for 15 years. The woman approaching down that long aisle, on the other hand, was a born-and-bred Southern Baptist. I'd recently witnessed the adult baptism ceremony that reconfirmed her in the faith. Her stepfather, uncle, and grandfather were Southern Baptist ministers. Her parents met at a Baptist college. She attended church and planned to continue doing so once we were married. And the Bible is plenty clear about marriages between believers and non-believers. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, it warns. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, given all those alarm bells, why was I crying tears of joy as she came down the aisle? Why was she smiling as she approached me? And why are we still happily married 28 years and three children later? That's a good story and not an unusual one. 59% of non-religious Americans who are married have a partner who is religious probably including a lot of you in my audience. I wrote a book about these marriages five years ago called In Faith and in Doubt, and I'd like to spend a few episodes here talking about the challenges and opportunities that come with these relationships, especially when you're raising kids together. Let's start at the beginning. After years of friendship, Becca and I started dating in 1989, and I knew pretty quickly that I'd eventually propose. I was 27 and she was 24. Now, compared to everything else she brought to the relationship, the fact that she was a Christian was a footnote. Honestly, if I'd learned that she had a second head growing out of the back of her neck, I'd have bought it a little hat. We'd been friends for years, but my atheism had never come up. Now, six months into dating, it still hadn't. I knew it needed to before I proposed. I'd been sitting next to her in church every Sunday, so there was no reason for her to assume that I wasn't a Christian believer as well. But I knew I couldn't enter a marriage on false pretenses. I was terrified that I'd lose her over it. But I knew it was just too big to come up years later as a, uh, hey, funny thing about me kind of thing. If it was going to be a big deal, it needed to be a big deal right then, before we got engaged before we got married. So I figured a fast-moving car was the right place to bring it up. We both lived in L.A. at the time and occasionally drove to San Francisco to see her parents. On one trip in the middle of the Central Valley, I finally mustered the nerve. I don't remember the exact words I said, but at some point, it was out there. I don't believe in God. It's something I've thought about seriously for years, and it's not likely to ever change. 
is that um, okay with you? The tires thrummed for a while. She clearly hadn't seen it coming and seemed a little shaken. Finally, she said, Well, is it okay with you that I do believe? I said, Yes, of course. I'd known that from the beginning. Another long pause. It has to be okay for me to go to church. And notice that this was not in the form of a question. I said it was okay. Of course it was. And then I learned something I might never have known otherwise. I learned why it was so important to her to go to church. As is often the case, it had almost nothing to do with theology. She laid out the whole story for me. Her stepdad, a former Baptist minister, had an ugly falling out with his church when he left his first wife for his second. As a result, he cut all ties with the church. Not just that church, but all churches, all religion, and didn't allow Becca's very religious mom or her daughters to attend. Becca vowed to herself at the time that she was bloody well going to church once she got out of that house and that no one was ever going to keep her from it again. It wasn't religious uniformity she needed from her eventual husband. She just needed to know that that particular bit of family history wasn't going to repeat itself. It was never about salvation for her. As much as anything, her church going was an act of proxy redemption for her mom. That was an important discovery for me. I would have been troubled to learn that Becca's religious beliefs and practices were centered on the fear of hell or even a need to please God. These are beliefs that I find not just false but dehumanizing. I don't mind if my neighbor holds those opinions. As long as he doesn't force them on others, I agree with Thomas Jefferson. It neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. But if the beliefs of my intended lifelong companion fell into that fearful or obesient category, I knew it would raise compatibility questions from my side of the equation. Instead, I learned that she attended church for other reasons. In addition to family history, she went for the sense of community and human connection that she felt, for the opportunity to slow down and reflect every week, to engage the world in a different way from the rest of the week. It was rewarding and fulfilling to her for reasons I could completely respect, even if I didn't feel those needs as much myself. And her reasons were similar to the reasons that most churchgoers go to church, to feel connected, to focus on meaning and purpose, to reinforce her own identity. God was the frame in which her human values were expressed, including values that I shared with her, but framed differently. I also learned that although she was Baptist by birth, upbringing, and baptism, she didn't hold to several specific tenets of the Southern Baptist Conference that would have presented problems for me. One doctrine would have been a particular issue if she believed it, that those who do not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are consigned to hell. Now, even though I don't believe in any such thing, a relationship in which one partner thinks the other one is headed for eternal punishment after death, or is even worthy of such a thing, is not a healthy relationship. Instead, by showing a tendency toward universalism, 
the idea that all people are saved regardless of beliefs? Becca was, again, very much in the U.S. Christian mainstream. 65% of U.S. Christians believe that non-Christians can end up in heaven. And the majority of those include the non-religious among the saved. That's good stuff. So by the end of the conversation, I was relieved. We knew each other a lot better. She had articulated her own values and beliefs in a way that was new even to her. And the biggest secret I had was out in the open. And it had gone just fine. Not that it always does. I'll never forget the 30-ish man who came up to me after a talk in North Carolina several years ago, looking like he hadn't slept in days. Because, as it turned out, he hadn't. He and his wife of 10 years had both been Mormon, but his religious faith had been slipping for some time, and when he told her a week earlier that he no longer believed in God, she said he was, quote, sick and evil. And then she took their kids and left him the same night. He hadn't heard from her since and didn't know where his children were. Neither side of the family would answer his calls. An intense, shunning wall had come down around him. Now, the non-religious partner doesn't always react well either. I've heard from many who wondered if they could continue to respect their partners when they learned that they were religious. I have to admit that I suddenly saw him differently, said one. Instead of the confident guy I thought he was, I couldn't help seeing a gullible, fearful child. In both cases, the partner hearing the news immediately conjured an extreme version of the other position and, naturally, recoiled in horror from it. It's a perfectly human reaction. When we don't have all the information, we fill in the gaps with the worst things possible. Remember what was written in unexplored regions around the edges of early maps? They didn't just write unknown. They wrote, here be dragons. We often do the same thing with unknown human traits. As a defensive measure, we assume the worst. So a religious person often hears someone is an atheist and pictures Stalin. An atheist hears someone is religious and pictures Fred Phelps. Here be dragons. Now sometimes the shoe fits, but much more often, two people who think they are peering across an abyss will actually share most of their values, even if they place those values in different frames. So the revelation that a partner or prospective partner has a different worldview is not the end of the conversation, it's the beginning. If we use it as a litmus test, a lot of wonderful relationships, including mine, would end before they began. Now that conversation needs to happen sooner rather than later. If there's one thing experts on marriage agree on, it's the importance of entering into the relationship with all cards on the table. If there's going to be an issue, it needs to happen up front, before rings and vows and a shared mortgage, not to mention shared children, complicate things. So, how does it usually go? Well, I conducted a survey of a thousand people in religious-non-religious mixed marriages for my book, In Faith and in Doubt. Several of the questions related to the first time couples learned about the difference in their beliefs. About 18% already knew about the difference before they dated, and nearly half, 47%, discovered the difference while they were dating, and 3% discovered it during the engagement. So, altogether, 
The difference was out there before the wedding for about two-thirds of the couples. The difference came out after the marriage for about 29% of respondents. In some cases, that's because their beliefs were the same when they got married, and then one of them changed. In some others, the difference was already there, but one partner, almost always the non-believer, didn't reveal it until later in the marriage. This is one of the key factors in determining how smoothly things go for these couples. According to the survey, those who enter the marriage with the difference already known have much lower levels of tension and conflict later. A little more than one in five of the couples surveyed were both religious at the wedding, and then one became non-religious. The least common scenario of all was the converse. Just 1% of couples were both non-religious at the start, and then one became religious. And another 1% are currently closeted in their own marriages, meaning even their partner doesn't yet know that they differ in beliefs. So how does the conversation tend to go? The one in which a couple discovers their difference in beliefs? Just over a third of those I surveyed, 34%, said they were indifferent to the news. About 12% chose intrigued or interested. 3% said they were actually excited or happy at the news. And 1% can't remember how they felt. That leaves about half of all respondents expressing negative emotions, feeling worried, sad, disappointed, fearful, angry, confused, or betrayed. Religious partners were more than three times as likely to have negative reactions as non-religious partners. Now, a lot of this also depends on the late change dynamic I mentioned a minute ago. When a couple had the same belief system at the time of their marriage and then one partner changed, it's common for the changing partner to feel guilt, while the other feels shock, grief, or even betrayal. It's not always as simple as a single moment of change, either. One person I interviewed named Matthew was originally Baptist and then lost his faith while dating Stephanie. He eventually rebounded back to his faith, as he put it, and they were engaged and then married, both religious. But shortly thereafter, he lost his faith again and now considers himself an atheist. I feel like I've let her down, he says. That's a common sentiment when a belief change happens after marriage. But when the difference already existed before marriage, but wasn't shared, it can be worse. An atheist respondent named TJ told me this story. My wife Claire has never been the hyper-religious kind that thanks Jesus for every parking space. But I knew her Catholic beliefs were important to her from the beginning. Even though I was an atheist by that time, I was raised Catholic, so it wasn't unfamiliar to me. I made the terrible mistake of not telling her about my disbelief until after we were married. Our relationship grew stronger over time, which made telling her even harder. I was attending church with her weekly, crossing myself and taking communion. I stupidly took the easier road of going through the motions to avoid confrontation. But after three years of marriage, it just became too emotionally draining for me. I decided I couldn't be dishonest with her anymore. I was so nervous. Our lives were so good and happy, and I knew that this would put a big wrench in things. I'm non-confrontational by nature, so I wasn't even able to tell her face-to-face. -face. 
I wrote her a letter and left it on the couch. Her world turned upside down. The man she thought she had shared her faith with did not. There were questions of whether she would be able to stay with me, and many tears. After hours of conversation filled with pain and frustration, we both realized that we absolutely wanted to stay together. Sure, the marriage wasn't exactly what she had envisioned, but the rest of me was still worth it. I agreed that I would keep an open mind and never close the door on God if he were trying to, quote, change my heart. She agreed to be more accepting of my lack of belief, even if I remained an atheist for good. Life slowly returned to normal. I still attended church with her, but no more communion or crossing myself. She still hopes that I'll come to my senses, as she puts it, but I think she's getting used to it. If I could do it over again, I would have told her much earlier, while we were still dating, and the stakes were much lower. Then again, that might have ended our relationship, and she never would have married the wonderful heathen that she still is in love with today. So the bottom line here, a major difference in religious beliefs needs to come out as early and as straightforwardly as possible, definitely before marriage, if the difference already exists, and definitely before kids. Couples who use the opportunity to reinforce common ground and to start negotiating actual practices tend to do fine, if the difference existed from the start. But couples who shared a worldview until one partner changed often have a more difficult road. Other weaknesses in the relationship often surface, but strengths surface as well, including some that may not have been identified before. The key is to recognize and articulate that the love, respect, and common ground values that formed the foundation of the marriage are still present, even though the framework has changed for one of them. The Raising Freethinkers podcast is a production of Only Sky Media, exploring the whole human experience from the secular perspective. Visit us online at onlysky.media. Thanks for listening. I'm Dale McGowan. See you next time for Raising Freethinkers.